Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland, senior writer for HowStuffWorks.com. I was trying to come up with a topic that would be appropriate for April Fool's since this episode will publish shortly before April Fool's Day. Luckily, I didn't have to come up with it on my own. Today, our topic comes to us courtesy of a little listener mail. Dan writes in with, All your base are belong to us. I would love to hear your take on the history of this ancient meme. And indeed, the Babylonians in their writings did talk of the one who would bring... No, it's not that ancient. I mean, I guess in the terms of technology, it's kind of old. I told Dan that this particular story, while great, wouldn't quite merit a full episode by itself. So we're going to look at a few different memes that tie in with technology in general and video games in particular. I'll probably do more episodes about big tech memes and where they came from in the future, but today we'll just examine a few. So where do some of the most famous video game memes come from, and how did they spread around, and what do they mean? Well, first things first, let's define what a meme is. And the nice thing is, we don't really have to, because Richard Dawkins did it for us in a book called The Selfish Gene. Now, Dawkins proposed the idea of a meme, a meme being something we would use to describe an idea that spreads quickly throughout a population of people. Uh, That population, by the way, does not have to be regional. You know, you don't have to say the population of a town or the population of a country. That population could be uh, uh, any group of like-minded individuals within a particular subculture. And the Internet makes it possible for memes to spread globally rapidly. Uh, It's important to point out that memes don't have to be on the Internet at all. They that's one of the ways that we encounter memes, but that's just one method of distribution. A meme is an idea. The uh, Internet's just a handy way of getting those ideas spread throughout the globe. So while an image with a funny joke on it is a meme, not all memes are images with a funny joke on them. It's just one single type of meme. It's kind of one of those all Dalmatians are dogs, but not all dogs are Dalmatians kind of thing. Some memes spread primarily through a specific culture. So gamers are a good example. We're going to talk a lot about video games, and a lot of these memes spread, at least at first, primarily through gamers, some of which then ended up going into mainstream. Uh, So that's where I'm going to start with this discussion, and I'm going to answer Dan's question first. I'm not going to make him wait. The meme, All Your Base Are Belong to Us is part of a group of memes that all originate from the same source material. And that source is a video game called Zero Wing, which came out in 1989. It's a side-scrolling game in which the player controls a spaceship called a Zig, uh, blasting through various enemies. Now, those enemies are robotic aliens called CATS, C-A-T-S. And in the very beginning of the game, it's revealed that this group of aliens had recently signed a peace treaty with Earth, but are now betraying that treaty. And uh, if you understand Japanese and you play the original game, all of this is very, very clear. It's a little less clear in other versions. You see, the game started out as an arcade game in Japan. 
and it was really, really popular. So it was one of the ones that was chosen to be ported over to home video game systems in Japan. It was also ported to the Sega Mega Drive in Europe. Uh, here in the United States, we called the Mega Drive the Sega Genesis. It's the same machine, but two different names. So the European version of the Zero Wing game featured some poorly translated dialogue in which the original Japanese was transformed into mangled English. And what follows is a reading of the transcript of the first part of this game uh, in the Mega Drive version. What happened? Somebody set us up the bomb. We get signal. What? Main screen, turn on. It's you. How are you, gentlemen? All your base are belong to us. You are on the way to destruction. What you say? You have no chance to survive. Make your time. Ha 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 ha. Captain, take off every zig. You know what you're doing. Move zig for great justice. It's really moving, isn't it? It's a kind of gets you yeah it's it's like the braveheart speech really is uh, it's really what it comes down to so interesting fact the united states never got that version of the game at least not officially people might have ordered an import but the official version with the terrible translation came from the european market not the us market and it's a bit surprising that this meme even took off at all because the game's release preceded the world wide web the earliest known examples of the memes appearing online date to 1998. Now that is pretty ancient for internet memes because most of them kind of surface and then maybe they're popular for a few months or a little over a year and then they kind of fade away. But you also have to remember nearly a decade had passed since the game came out before it even showed up on the internet in the first place. So it's pretty incredible. Now, despite the long amount of time between the game's release and its celebration online, the meme did take off. Various forums, particularly on gaming sites, saw the phrase popping up in discussions and profiles. Some musicians and other creators began to incorporate phrases and references in their works, popularizing it even more. By 2001, Wired had covered the story, and soon it got the attention of other mainstream outlets like The Guardian, uh, The San Francisco Chronicle, and USA Today. The phrases from this translation live on to this day. You will often hear people refer to or see references to all your base are belong to us. And this really shows you the power of memes. The good ones catch on quickly and spread rapidly through various groups and stick around. They don't just get really popular and then disappear. Uh, it's it's an interesting kind of pop culture in a way. Some of them can break free of their origins and become mainstream pop culture and not just stay in those little enclaves that they began in. But some of those might be stuck in smaller niches. For example, do a barrel roll. That could be one of those. Hey, hey Dylan, do you recognize do a barrel roll? Ah, Dylan does recognize Do a Barrel Roll. Uh, this meme comes from a 1997 Nintendo 64 game called Star Fox 64, which in itself was a popular sequel to an earlier Super Nintendo game simply called Star Fox. Now, in both games, you pilot a spaceship, and you can dodge incoming enemy laser fire by doing a barrel roll. But in Star Fox 64, the maneuver received special attention. 
There's a point when you're heading toward these stationary turrets that are firing on you, and that's when a character, I think he's a donkey, pops up. His name is Peppy Hare, and he shouts, Do a barrel roll! Just as Dylan did earlier. And thus a meme was born. By 1997, the World Wide Web was becoming a household name. It would take a few more years for it to develop its cheeky side. And on January 30th, 2004, someone created a definition of do a barrel roll on the Urban Dictionary. That great repository of information, both entertaining and incredibly base. And in 2006, a group of 4chan pranksters began to call Tom Green during his talk show, and they would just shout, do a barrel roll, over the phone. Now, to be fair, this was not a case of people being unsolicited mischief makers, because Tom Green's career was based off of hosting call-in shows in which most of the calls were some sort of prank. So it's not like Tom Green was new to this kind of experience. It was just a very specific implementation. The meme found its way on numerous images and animated GIFs on the Internet. And yes, I pronounce it GIFs. I know that the creator of the format says GIFs, but he's wrong. GIF is how it should be said. I'm planting my flag on this one, not my flag. Anyway, there are plenty of examples of this meme online, usually involving animations of people or animals flipping over, accompanied by the text, Do a Barrel Roll. And even a few Easter eggs. So here's one. If you want an Easter egg, go to Google, just google.com, and do a search for do a barrel roll. Go ahead, give it a shot. It's pretty cute. All right, I got uh, several more memes I want to talk about, but before I do, let's take a quick break to thank our sponsor. All right, we're back, and the next meme I want to talk about is the Zerg Rush. Dylan, do you know this one? Dylan does not know this one. This refers to a tactic in the game StarCraft. So StarCraft is a real-time strategy game with a science fiction theme, and you play one of three different factions in the game. You control various units and methods of production, and you participate in strategic battles in order to control essentially what is a board. So you build various facilities which allow you to create units and you use those units to try and defeat the other player. So one of those three species are the Zerg. And that's, of course, in the original StarCraft game. And they are insect-like critters. Their main advantage is that you can make an awful lot of them relatively quickly. So the individual units, particularly the starting ones, aren't very strong. But sheer numbers can make up for it. Because your production time is so short, you can produce a lot more units as Zerg than people playing the other factions in the game. So one go-to strategy is just to ramp up unit production as quickly as possible and just overwhelm your opponent with sheer numbers, just hordes of soldiers. And that is the Zerg rush. It's a rush both because you are overcome by huge numbers and that it happens pretty quickly. It's such an effective tactic that it became pretty common in StarCraft games for players to establish some rules of decorum that uh, it was considered kind of common courtesy to say when someone would be allowed to launch a Zerg rush. Typically, you'd say that Zerg players would have to withhold attacking in that way for a certain number of minutes. Like you might say... 
no Zerg rush for eight minutes, meaning eight minutes of the game have to pass before you can do a Zerg rush. And that gives the other players an opportunity to shore up their defenses or otherwise work on a strategy to survive an incoming attack. Otherwise, it was largely seen as unfair that you were taking advantage of a very simple mechanism within the game and you were defeating people not through superior strategy, but just by the fact that the game favors these underpowered but but numerous units. As for the meme, the story goes that there was a multiplayer match in which a Korean group was controlling the Zerg forces and an English-speaking group were the opponents. And early in the match, a group of Zerg units began to attack, at which point one of the English-speaking participants typed, OMG, Zerg Rush, and the Korean player typed, Ki Ki Ki. K-E-K-E-K-E, which is akin to LOL in English. Uh, you might sometimes encounter Kiki-Ki along with Zerg Rush references in this meme. And those references tend to be on images or anime GIFs or something being swarmed by something else. So I've seen one where there's a plane that looks like it's being surrounded by a big flock of birds, and it was labeled Zerg Rush. Or you might see one type of person completely surrounded by other people and that might be Zerg Rush. Like, I would imagine a picture at Dragon Con, for example, with a whole bunch of people in costume and one person who's clearly not in costume just stuck in the middle of it. That would be something that you might see Zerg Rush attached to. Oh, and uh, Google, by the way, has an Easter egg for this meme, too. So you can just go to Google search and type in Zerg Rush. That's uh, Z-E-R-G Rush. Let me know how you do if you try that out. Now, not all video game memes are about criticizing a game mechanic or making fun of a specific game or even celebrating a specific game. Some are just a celebration of good game design and writing. And I think that's the case with The Cake is a Lie. That meme comes from the game Portal, which published in 2007. Now, in Portal, the player takes on the role of a young woman who is being held captive in a scientific research facility, and her captor is a passive-aggressive, snarky artificial intelligence named GLaDOS. And GLaDOS is constantly goading the character further down the pathway to keep trying to get through increasingly difficult puzzles. GLaDOS is constantly there, criticizing you and then giving you lackluster, insincere uh, praise whenever you successfully navigate one of these tough puzzles. Uh, you get a lot of snark from GLaDOS, including one of the greatest post-credit songs of all time, written by Jonathan Colton uh, in the voice of GLaDOS. When you explore the game world, you can encounter stuff like messages scrawled on walls. And the messages are from an old lab worker named Doug Ratman. And one of the famous messages is the phrase, the cake is a lie, written repeatedly. The reason for this is GLaDOS constantly tells you that if you are to complete all the tasks, you will get cake and that the cake will be amazing. Occasionally, GLaDOS will even give you the recipe for a cake. There's a lot of cake, at least references to it in Portal. But Doug Ratman the character that uh, has left his uh, evidence behind says that the cake is a lie. And for a while, people use the cake as is a lie as just a general reference to Portal, but gradually, this phrase took on a more general meaning. And it came to mean, the thing you are looking for doesn't exist, or even, 
you are trying to achieve something that isn't possible. Uh, Urban Dictionary translates it rather eloquently, I think, into your promised reward is merely a fictitious motivator. So you could use this idiom to describe a common thread in a lot of stories. For example, in the classic The Wizard of Oz, the wizard promises rewards to Dorothy and her friends if they can get rid of the Wicked Witch of the West. Only, it turns out the wizard is a flim-flam man, with no real powers of his own apart from being a fast talker. The cake is a lie. He doesn't have the ability to give the characters what they want. In fact, when they return victorious, he bestows gifts on them simply by telling each character that they already possess the thing that they want, which is a good thing since the wizard had no way to deliver upon his promises. Now, some memes aren't about specific games at all, but rather gaming cliches in general. And one of the big ones is called Video Game Logic. Now, this refers to things that happen in video games that defy common sense. For example, a popular meme in this category has a picture of Master Chief, who is the protagonist of the Halo franchise of games, and the meme says, Can flip an extremely heavy tank, can't control gun recoil. So this refers to the fact that if you come up to a tank that's on its side and you press the right button, Master Chief will move the tank so that you can get into it. And yet, every time you fire your gun, it flies up in the air. And you think, well, if he's strong enough to move a tank over, can he control the movement of a handgun? It does seem to defy logic. And this is pretty common. And it's not that's not the only example. I mean, sometimes it's something like invisible walls, that you are free to roam anywhere until you encounter an invisible wall, which in the video game world makes sense, but... When you think of it outside of that context, you start to question, why is this a design in this game? Or maybe there is a game rule that says, if you even step foot in the edge of water, your character will drown. Uh, That's another instance of video game logic, like especially a character that seems to be resilient to almost any kind of damage. Like you can be shot 14 times in the chest and keep going, but if you touch water, you you immediately drown. Your toe is apparently where you breathe, and you're a goner. Uh, Lots of different variations of this exist online, and mainly it's just to point out how video games can be inconsistent with their logic, that things that uh, the game allows in some cases mean that things it doesn't allow in other cases don't really make sense, and uh, it really kind of helps bring attention to shortcomings in games. Sometimes those shortcomings are necessary just to make the game work properly. Another example of a shortcoming in a game is repetitive dialogue, particularly in non-player characters that you might encounter in something like a role-playing game. Now, it's not really feasible to create a game in which everyone you encounter has a distinct personality and a non-repetitive dialogue option particularly for games that have hundreds of characters in them. So the more characters you have, the harder it is to give each one an individual personality and history and conversational options. So that means sometimes you hear the same phrases repeated, and sometimes that gets a bit comedic. And that is the case with our next meme, I took an arrow in the knee. That one comes from Skyrim, which is from Bethesda. And that game came out in 2011. It's a big, sprawling fantasy game across an enormous map. And that map has several towns and villages and outposts in it. And most of those places have guards living there. 
And there are male and female guards, and they often have different voices. They got several different voice actors to record the same lines of dialogue. And that's the problem. They all pull from the same pool of scripted lines. So while the guards you see may look different and sound different from each other, they all have very similar stories to share. Like, it turns out they all have the exact same background, which includes a mysterious incident in which they were shot in the knee by somebody. So the actual line of dialogue is, I used to be an adventurer like you, then I took an arrow in the knee. Now, it doesn't pop up every time you meet a guard, but it does happen occasionally, and that line is so distinct that it's noticeable every single time you hear it. So there are tons of memes based off this game experience. There are video montages of guards talking about getting shot in the knee, which gets funnier the longer it goes because you realize that Skyrim is almost entirely populated by guards with a limp. Uh, there are variations on images in which the first part of the phrase gets replaced by something else. So, for example, I saw one with a My Little Pony character on it that says, I used to wonder what friendship could be. Then I took an arrow in the knee. But my favorite was one that I couldn't immediately identify. I didn't know what video game it was from. But it showed, like, a, a typical fantasy villain, something that you might see in, like, Diablo or, or something along those lines. But it was a headless character. So it was this big, monstrous suit of armor, but with no head. And the caption said, I used to have a face, then I took an arrow to the knee. Which makes perfect sense, really. I love that one. I once actually pitched a short comedy commercial about a guard recruitment service that would supply villages and towns with guards, and their method would be to seek out adventurers and then shoot them in the knee. And then the only suitable job they would have at that point is guard. And voila, instant security force for your town. But I never did make that video. Maybe one day I will. I've got some other memes to talk about, including the creepiest one on this list. But before I get to that, let's take another quick break to thank our sponsor. Now, some memes go beyond being silly, and now it's time to talk about Slender Man. And actually, to talk about Slender Man, we have to talk about Spooky Spaghetti. No, I'm sorry, I mean, I meant Creepypasta. And here's where the old man in me surfaces, because i got to be honest with you guys. I had to look all this stuff up because I'm old. I know what Slender Man is, but the Creepypasta stuff, that's after my time on the Internet. So I had to actually learn about this stuff which was really interesting, actually. So for those who do not know, there's this phenomenon on the Internet called creepypasta. Now, that term actually is a twist on an older Internet slang word called copypasta, which first started popping up on the forum 4chan in the mid-2000s. It's a word used to designate an example of viral copy-and-pasted text. So this is when you will encounter, like, a paragraph of text that has clearly been copied from somewhere else and pasted into this forum, and it just starts to spread from that point forward. You see it all over the Internet, particularly in forums and Facebook. You'll see a lot of copy pasta on Facebook. I see it all the time, where people have uh, copied and pasted a, a, a message. They clearly didn't write it themselves, and uh, it has gone viral from that point. Now, creepypasta is a more specific type of this copy-and-paste viral information. 
It's a term that describes stories that have a horror element to them. Frequently, that is supernatural in nature, although not necessarily. But a lot of them are kind of paranormal, creepy stuff. This, by the way, is not a new thing. I mean, we've had folklore for as long as people have been able to tell stories. Before the Internet, we would use technology to share these kinds of information using faxes. It was actually called fax lore. People would share jokes and stories, cartoons, and other printed material by faxing it to each other. So there's something innate about humans that drives us to create and share these stories and ideas, whether it's through the Internet or a fax or just sitting around a fire chatting away. Anyway, let's get back to Slenderman. Now, Slenderman didn't just start off as, like, creepypasta, per se. Originally, it was actually part of a series of pranks pulled by members of the Something Awful forums. Something Awful is a comedy website, and in one of the forums, members had decided to manufacture photos depicting seemingly supernatural phenomena using Photoshop and other editing software. So the idea was... Let's take pictures, let's manipulate the photos so that we can give them a weird, otherworldly element to them. And then, here comes the prank part, let's share those photos on paranormal forums. Like forums that are about paranormal activity or are, uh, uh, you know, got an interest in paranormal subject matter and pass them off as real. So the challenge was create these these altered photos and then share them on various paranormal sites and try to convince people that these are, in fact, actual examples of photographed paranormal activity. Now, one of the members of that forum was Eric Knudsen, who contributed under the handle Victor Surge. That was the name he used. He edited some photos of people, uh, and typically school children, but not just school children, some teenagers as well, and inserted the figure of an unusually tall man in what appeared to be a suit. The man didn't seem to have a face and perhaps had some tendrils or something coming off of him. It was hard to make out because the details were pretty fuzzy, but also very unsettling. Victor posted these images on a forum uh, for people interested in the paranormal, along with a short account of what the pictures supposedly showed. And according to Victor's story, it was uh, people being evacuated from a library that had caught fire, and the unusual ghostly creature may have had something to do with it, and many of the children were never found again. And that was the the birth of Slender Man. Now, this particular character was probably inspired by other depictions of ghouls and bogeymen. There are a lot of different historical variations on this idea of the faceless, unusually tall creature that looks vaguely like a man, uh, very menacing in nature. Uh, There are also examples of this even in computer games. Uh, So it's not like it was a totally new idea, but this was a particularly interesting incorporation of this idea and a a really compelling Photoshop job. It really struck a nerve. Other Something Awful members began to incorporate Slender Man into their own stories, and they began to add to the mythology, sometimes referred to as the Slenderverse. Slender Man had entered the world of creepypasta. He popped up on lots of different sites, including 4chan, Fangoria, Unfiction, TV Tropes, DeviantArt, and many other websites and forums. 
So it became one of those things where people began to shape and evolve and tweak this idea and make it grow from there. That's kind of this this defining feature of folklore and memes in general. And also, uh, you could argue that uh, that it's a continuation of the same sort of ideas you would even see back in the pulp horror novel days. H.P. Lovecraft, for example, created a bunch of fictional books, including the Necronomicon, in the mythology of his stories, and he encouraged his author friends to incorporate elements of his Cthulhu universe, including mainly those fictional books, in their own work, and he would do the same. So in this case, you had a bunch of different authors incorporating each other's creations and giving those creations more weight. They, they seemed to be more real because more people were writing about it. How could it be one person's imagined thing when it's popping up in other people's stories? Very sim- similar with Slender Man, except we're talking about the Internet in general, not a small group of authors. And over time, you began to see other incarnations and implementations of Slender Man. That included a video game in which you play as a person being pursued by the Slender Man while you uncover clues in a secluded forest. You're fenced in so you can't uh, easily escape and you have to find notes. But each note you find gives the Slender Man more of an idea of where you are and he starts to close in on you. Several filmmakers have created online videos inspired by the character. There are series like Everyman Hybrid, Tribe 12, and Marble Hornets that all took inspiration from and added to the mythology of Slender Man in interesting ways. And there are really too many incarnations and incorporations of Slender Man for me to go into here. Uh, You can find him or variations of him in things like Minecraft and short films, but obviously I, I can't leave this topic without also mentioning the 2014 stabbing incidents. And I say incidents because there was one in Wisconsin and one in Ohio that year. Both of them are terrible stories. So in Wisconsin, two 12-year-old girls were arrested on attempted murder charges after attacking and stabbing a mutual friend 19 times, allegedly. The friend has since recovered from her wounds, but the two girls remain in the court system being tried for this crime. And one of the two attackers, during a confession, said that Slender Man was the motivation behind the attack. She claimed that she believed that Slender Man would harm her family if she did not carry out this attack. Uh, there's been some move on the family's lawyer, in this case, to strike that confession uh, due to uh, a claim that the Miranda rights of the of the the accused were not properly administered. So that's still something that's unfolding in the court system as I record this. The second incident happened in Ohio, and that was a little different. A mother was attacked by her daughter, and the daughter stabbed her mother several times, and it mostly resulted with superficial cuts. But the mother said she believed her daughter was obsessed with the Slender Man story, and that that was the motivation behind the attack. Now, I'm not a psychologist. I have no training or expertise in psychology. However, I've seen similar cases involving other types of pop culture, and that includes rock music, role-playing games, video games, that kind of scene. I've seen people blame other things for the behavior of folks. I don't necessarily believe that it was 
the thing that inspired the person to go out and do terrible things. I think in most cases, there's some indication that there were underlying factors that were the real problem. Maybe the video game or pop culture reference or whatever gave some direction, but the motivation factor was already present. I don't think that a fictional creation has that much power over actual people. Now, I don't want to end on such a grim note. So I'm going to talk about one last goofy tech meme. And in this case, I'm going to talk about a brave, some might say foolhardy character named Leroy Jenkins. This meme concerns the granddaddy of MMORPGs that would be the World of Warcraft. The story begins with a video, which was potentially staged, of a group of guild members from Pals for Life leading an excursion into an area of the game called the Rookery. So if you're not familiar with World of Warcraft, it is a fantasy-based MMORPG, meaning you're playing a role with a bunch of other people all online, a massive multiplayer online role-playing game. Uh, and you can do a lot of stuff on your own, but the game encourages you to form friendships with other gamers and to form groups with them, guilds with them, and do things as a guild. And one of the things you might do is go into particularly difficult areas that you would have very little chance of surviving on your own. One of those in the, at this time during World of Warcraft's history was the Rookery. They had a lot of potential monsters to fight, including Dragon Spawn, which are pretty nasty. It takes a clever strategy to defeat the hordes of enemies, particularly uh, talking to people about their use of healing abilities, you know, the support characters, while the damage characters go in and try and clear out as many of the bad guys as possible. And that's where the video gets its humor. So as this group is standing outside the room, discussing over microphones so you can hear everybody talking, what the best tactics are, and also acknowledging the likelihood that they're all going to be massacred because their survival percentage chance is somewhere in the 30s, as I recall, one character steps forward and says, All right, let's do this. Leroy Jenkins! And he just charges inside. Immediately his party follows him, and they are very quickly eviscerated by the dragon spawn. And they very quickly also admonish Leroy for his impetuous decision, and Leroy's response is, well, at least I got chicken. And truer words were never spoken. Now, the guild uploaded the video of this incident to a fan site called Warcraft Movies, and later they uploaded it twice to YouTube, and the second time it really found huge success. Gamers and non-gamers alike found it very amusing. Ben Schultz, who was the player controlling Leroy Jenkins, found himself the center of attention. Blizzard, the company that makes World of Warcraft, actually invited Schultz to come and be a keynote speaker at their gaming convention, BlizzCon. Uh, Schultz has repeatedly been asked if the video was actually a real capture of honest-to-goodness gameplay or if it was just a staged video for comedic purposes. And he says he likes to leave that up to the individual viewer. I'm pretty sure it's staged, but honestly, I don't really care because it's just entertaining. It's pretty funny and perfectly captures the frustration that gamers can feel when someone on their team behaves recklessly. I'm sure the gamers among you have been in a situation where you're in a team-based game 
and you all have a pretty good plan for how things should turn out, and one person just goes completely off the rails and ruins it for everybody. It's a very frustrating experience. It's funny to watch, but it's not that funny to be in at the time. Also, I really like this one because I have a friend named Ariel. Uh, she's been on the show a couple times, and her band, Tenpenny Travelers, wrote a song about Leroy Jenkins, and it makes me laugh a lot. I wish I could share that with you, but they don't have a recorded version. Otherwise, I would include it with this episode. Uh, but the the meme of Leroy Jenkins spread like crazy, not just... Uh, in the World of Warcraft circles. It also spread onto lots of gifts and stuff, and you would see Leroy Jenkins being applied to any situation where someone seemed to charge headlong into a scenario without fully considering the consequences of their actions. It became kind of shorthand for that. And um, Schultz would end up seeing his character incorporated into official Blizzard products, like a card in Hearthstone or NPCs within World of Warcraft, which is pretty phenomenal when you think about it. I mean, you gain a level of immortality by creating this headstrong character who rushes into danger without thinking of the consequences. I think that's pretty amusing. There are a lot of other memes I can mention. Uh, one of my favorites is Luigi's Death Stare from Mario Kart 8. There are some of the funniest videos produced from the Luigi's Death Stare, but that one is so dependent upon the visual of Luigi sneering down at you as he passes by that it doesn't really work that well for an audio podcast. And the memes out there keep on growing. Some will endure, many will fade away, a few might come back after disappearing for a while, because ideas are like that. And that wraps up this episode of Tech Stuff, but before I go, I have some exciting announcements to make. First, Long-time listeners know that Tech Stuff used to publish twice a week. Good news, everyone! We're doing that thing again. Starting next week, Tech Stuff will publish two episodes. I think we're publishing on Wednesdays and Fridays? Dylan is shrugging, so why don't quote me on it, but it's... It, it's likely to be Wednesdays and Fridays. That's what it was before. So keep an eye out because we should have two episodes go live next week, not just one. And that's not all. As an experiment, I will begin to live stream Tech Stuff recordings. That means you can actually watch me record episodes live. It also means that if you tune in, you will hear episodes that will not publish for a couple of weeks because I'm always recording in advance. The episodes I record won't publish for a couple of weeks because I always want to have stuff in the buffer. So that way I won't skip a week of publication if I happen to go on vacation or if I get sick or something. So if you want to watch me record episodes, including the bits where I mess up and have to go back to fix something, you can. Plus, there will be live chat incorporated in this experience. I will participate in the live chat, particularly before the show begins and also during ad breaks. When I'm doing the show, I'm probably looking at my notes, so I probably won't be responding to chat very frequently unless I mess up and I want to take a little break. Now, if you have questions or comments about the show I'm recording, you can leave them in the chat at that moment, and I can respond to them pretty quickly. I might even go back and re-record something. So, for example, if I give an explanation, but you don't really think it was very clear, I might need to go back and redo it, which means the people who watch me live will be contributing directly to making the show a better show, which is kind of awesome. Now, the whole thing is going live on twitch.tv slash techstuffhsw. 
Right now, the plan is for me to go live on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern and Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern. Now, if you don't live in the Eastern time zone, do me a favor and just use Google to find out what 3 or 4 p.m. Eastern is in your neck of the woods. Don't ask me. I'm not Google. I'll try to remember to tweet out when I'm going live, though. That should help. And if you guys have any suggestions for future episodes, feel free to shoot me a message and let me know. My email address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com, or you can drop me a line on Facebook or Twitter. The handle of both of those is techstuffhsw, and I'll talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. 